I've always been fascinated by musicians, music, and the creative process. And of all the renegades, mavericks, and self-invented rebels I get to meet, musicians are some of my favorite. Not only because I know I could never do that thing, music just doesn't really make sense to me in the same way that words do, but because music and its appreciation is a universal experience. This week, I sit down with Zuby, a rapper, to talk about why he loves music, what defines hip-hop culture, and a host of other things, like the importance of physical fitness, personal responsibility, and authenticity. This is 27 Rouge. I'm going to start off um, taking a page out of Cameron Crowe from, from Almost Famous, which was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid, um, and just ask you, you know, uh, why do you love music? Well... I love music because I think it is one of, if not the most powerful forms of art. In fact, as an artist, and maybe I'm biased because I am a musician, Hmm. I think that music is the most powerful form of art. I think that maybe next to literature, perhaps next next to the written word. Hmm. And I think that music is so powerful in all its forms, partly for for a lot of reasons. I think number one, actually, it it transcends transcends language, it transcends language barriers. And I think a lot of good art does this. Uh, Hmm. This is something that, um, you know, if if you are given a book in a language you do not, are not able to read and comprehend, then it, it means nothing to you. Right. Um, with visual art, that's different. You know, there's no translation necessary. But also with music, even if you don't understand the words, you can understand the, the, the vibe and the flow and the feeling and the instrumentation and everything mm. like that. I also love music because it can fit into any... An advantage it has over some other forms of art is that it can either be the main event or it can be an accompaniment to something that is already going on. So if you're going to watch a movie, you, you don't watch a movie and drive, well, you shouldn't watch a movie and drive a car right. at the same time, right? If you're doing yeah. a, a film requires virtually all of your attention, if you're going to comprehend it properly. Now, music can command all your attention. You could go to a concert or just sit down and listen to a song and that's having all your intention, but it can also be in the background. It can be in the foreground. It can be in the background. It can be ambient. It's, it's, mo- it's used within everything. It's, it's used within advertising, within uh, television shows, within films, and so on, because music gives you that additional feel. It's an extra layer. As an artist myself, as a creative person, I also love it as a medium to get my, get my thoughts and words out there directly. I especially love the genre of hip-hop for that, because when you rap, you have so much space Hip-hop is also one of the only genres where you can talk about anything, Hmm. right? If you think of it, a lot of genres, you're somewhat restricted, actually, in what you can say and what you can't. Not because there's hard written rules, but because it would sound really weird if you listen to an R&B song about politics, right? I mean, R&B is about about love and relationships and romance and so on. It's a pretty narrow window. Hip-hop, you can write a song about love and relationship and romance. You can write a song about... Food. I can write a song about going to the gym. I can write yeah. a song about religion, politics, whatever. And it's not outside the realm of normalcy. There's an incredible amount of popular hip hop songs, which are basically rapping about 
um, how cool the artist is, right? You can just make a song. You can make a song just bigging yourself up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can make a song about absolutely anything. You've just got so much room. And because of the nature of rapping, you also have a lot of words to work with. So mm. if, you look at, if you were to look at the lyrics of an average hip-hop song um, and the lyrics of an average pop, rock, folk, whatever song, mm. you'll find there could be anywhere from four, five, ten times as many lyrics, twenty times as many lyrics in the rap song because you've just got so much space to express yourself. Another difference as well is that in hip-hop, the vast, vast majority of the time is the, the writer and the performer are the same person. Right. Many forms of popular music, the songs are written by people other than the performers. They have professional songwriters, so if you listen to a song by, I don't know, um, Rihanna or Britney Spears or um, many other pop artists, you're not oftentimes getting their own thoughts and beliefs and opinions and expression you're getting a popular song which was written and then shipped around to different artists and this artist, you know, or their record label or their manager picked that song. It's a lot, it's more, it's more manufactured. So I love music for a lot of reasons. I love all forms of art, but I think that music in particular has something special about it for all those reasons and the way that it unites people together and gets people physically moving. There's something mm -hmm. Um, you know, pe different people like different forms of music, but almost everybody likes some form of music and the, the type they like will put them in a certain type of state, either individually or within a group setting, which, I don't know, it brings out something very human and connecting. Yeah, absolutely. I th you know, I think back to when I think of the origins of music even of rap or hip-hop i think of like old bards you know telling telling stories uh mm. to medieval times and uh jonathan gottschall he's he's a buddy of mine and um uh, he's a great writer he's he's he wrote a book called the storytelling animal um about how uh telling stories is is, is part of what makes us human and music in many ways is as you mentioned uh adjacent to literature another way of telling stories about ourselves about our families history relationships what, whatever you want to call it um i want to break down two things that you that you mentioned though and, and sort of dig into them it seems like from obvious so there's there's genres of course within within music and then there's the subgenres. it seems like perhaps rap or hip-hop or however you want to classify it is not so much of a genre as a medium um and you know to your point you were talking about how you can you can write a hip-hop song about anything about working out about food about relationship about whatever mm -hmm. um perhaps then it's not necessarily an actual genre in the same way that um maybe i don't know heavy metal or jazz or whatever is a genre it's more of a medium of communicating all different kinds of stories i don't know what, what do you think about that that's just a thought i had off the top of my head i would say that hip-hop is a genre and rap hmm. is a medium what's so, the difference between hip-hop and rap absolutely so rap is the music of hip-hop so hip-hop is an overall culture if you okay. want to be technical hip-hop includes djing emceeing or rapping graffiti and breakdancing. Those would be the four main elements 
of hip hop to any real hip hop head. Okay. So you can be a so you can be a hip you can be a hip hopper who's a, who's a break dancer or who's a DJ or who's a graffiti artist. That's all part of hip hop culture. Um, rap, I agree, is the medium. Just like singing is a medium. You know, you wouldn't call mm-hmm. singing itself yeah. a genre. So rap is people often use the terms interchangeably because most people don't really. Right. Look into it in that much detail, and you know, if you go to a music store, if, if those still exist, or you look on iTunes, and yeah. it says, you know, it'll normally say rap slash hip hop. You know, they kind of they kind of hedge their bets, right? But um, they are actually they are things with different meanings, although there's an overlap. So yeah, rap would be the medium because you could have you can have rapping outside the hip hop genre. You yeah. could have a rock song or a pop song which has some rap in it which has someone performing a rap, but you wouldn't say that the genre overall is a hip-hop song. Right. So, yeah. It's an element that you overlay over. It's a ly- the lyrical element to hip-hop. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, I mean, you could, hear, you could hear a beat with no rapping at all, and you could be like, that's a hip-hop beat. Right. Okay, yeah. Right. You, no. could, hear, you could hear a hip-hop, hip-hop instrumental, and you'd be like, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely hip-hop, even without the rapping. And mm. you could hear, like, a metal instrumental or a folk instrumental, and... You know, a rapper could rap over it, but it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't really be a hip-hop song. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I guess, you know, you were talking about, um, I asked you why you love music, uh, and you were talking about how it brought people together, how it's this art form that transcends language and transcends culture. Um, but you do a hell of a lot already. I mean, you do podcasting, you do speaking, you write, you wrote a book, um, you're a life coach. I mean, these are all uh, in and of themselves art forms. Um, mm. What is it about music? I mean, and we spoke about how if a book is written in you know Spanish and you don't speak Spanish, then you know it's, that's only going to be accessible to those who can like read or literate in Spanish. Um, but I guess you know you could have done. You do do a lot of things. What is mm-hmm. it that makes you? continue focusing on music rather than you know maybe just being a podcaster just being a writer or just being a, a life coach or just being a, a public mm-hmm. speaker um you have your hands in many hats um you sort of uh, a renaissance man a jack of all trades um i want to I, I do want to dig into this because i think it's interesting um personally and i think it'll be interesting for for listeners um what is it that I don't know differentiates music or how, how how would you say music falls into this mix because you are a guy who does a lot of these different things mm-hmm. if that, does the question make any sense I, maybe yeah I, I think so I, yeah. I mean I think it's important for people to understand that for me I was doing music before all these other things right so I've been a musician I put out my first album in 2006 when I was right. still in university yeah. I started my podcast in 2019. I wrote mm. my first book in 2019. Yeah. Um, I started doing more public speaking also. 2019 was a big transition year where I added a lot of strings to the bow. Yeah. Because I'd been doing my music for well over a decade at this point, um, full time since 2011. And they both satisfied different parts of my brain, and they're all different um, mediums of messaging and also different yeah. mediums that I'm good at and that I can help people in in different ways. Mm. So 
With music, I've always been a creative person. Actually, when I was a child, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I used to be drawing. I was always drawing. Anyone who knew me as a kid would have known me for my art, but it would have been it would have been visual art. Yeah. And then um, I became a musician in my in my late teens. So the creative dimension for me is not would not really be satisfied by just doing any of those other things. I'm a naturally creative person. Not everybody is, you know, not everybody is an, is an artist or a musician or someone who likes to draw or paint or anything like that, but I've had that in me, in my personality since my childhood. Mm. So that satisfies that part. On the flip side, I'm also a very, um, I'm a very intellectual person. I'm a very curious person. I like to discuss ideas, try to understand the world around me, try to understand humanity. So this is why I do a lot of what people I guess know me for now, which you could call socio-political or socio-cultural commentary. Mm. Just talking about the things going on in the world, trying to make sense of it all. That's another part of me that is really curious. So I'm able to do more things than one. Yeah. Um, so why not? Also, I can help and inspire and motivate people yeah. in different ways. Not yeah. everyone is a rap. Not everyone's a hip hop fan, right? Not yeah. everyone's a rap fan. Uh, there could be there. There are people out there who are fans of my work and what I do, but it's the podcast that they're more interested in, or it's the social commentary they're more interested in, or it's the fitness stuff and the writing, or it's the public mm. speaking, or it's the music. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, I used to, up until about 2019, 2020, I always wanted people to come in through the front door, right? I was like, look, I'm a musician, I'm a rapper. I want people to just know me for my music yeah. and, and that's it. And that's what I want to reach. And then. As time went on, I was like, you know what? I can't control what door people come through. My, my goal is to help inspire and motivate as many people as I can with my talents, my gifts, and my abilities. Yeah. So music is one of those things, and I can reach a certain mm. segment of the population and a certain number of people with that. But it's like, hey, actually, you know what? I can also help people with this, or I, can al I also have some interesting ideas and thoughts or questions about this idea. So why not put it all on the table like a buffet and then people can people can take what they want instead of me saying, you know, what, I like the chicken, right? You know, what, yeah. I'm about to make sure you eat the chicken. Make sure you eat the chicken. Yeah. And it's like actually, you know what? Like, you look, there's there's the chicken there. There's also the salad. There's the rice. There's, I'll put, I'll just make what I'm able to make. Yeah. And you can pick and choose one or more of whichever elements appeals with you most. Um, mm. You know, a, this is a, a great way to think. Um, I'll tell you who who really does this and has done this well on a high level is uh, Joe Rogan. Mm, yeah. So I think now, when most people hear of Joe Rogan, I, I'd imagine most people think of his podcast. Right. Majority. Yeah. Um, but that's not the thing he's been doing for the longest. I don't think that's the thing he really set out to do and be known for. Yeah. He's a stand-up. He's a stand-up comic and a very successful stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah. He's also an MMA. He's an MMA commentator. He's been commentating the UFC for a very long time. I mean, yeah. Those are very disparate things yeah They're, they don't seem to be connected but it's like well why would joe rogan just pick one of those it's like well you can do all of them yeah good at all of them people like all of them sure some people are more interested in one element than the other but it's like hey just put your gifts out to the world and let it resonate how it resonates so that's the way i think of it absolutely yeah i mean couple it's this sort of it's you're not American, you know, you live you live in the UK, you grew up in, in Saudi Arabia, but I think of this American idea of um, self-invention, of just sort of like mm. creating yourself. I mean, 
one example obviously we think of is, is Kanye you know he's on the one hand he's a musician on the other hand he's a fashion designer on the other hand you know he, he, he has his hands in all these different things or there's a guy um, I wrote my senior thesis on him at Princeton actually um, uh, named George Plimpton he founded the the Paris Review which is this famous literary magazine um, and he was so, he had his hands in so many different things you know he was uh, an amateur actor and he he played a little bit of professional golf and a little bit of professional football and a little bit of mm. professional baseball and a little bit of professional boxing his thing his thing was that he would go it was called participatory journalism or that that's what he called it it's sort of like gonzo hunter thompson kind of stuff um, mm. he would go you know and play football with the pros and get the shit kicked out of them um, and then come back and like, you know, I was this tall, lanky white dude, like going and, and playing professional football or going and playing, you know, you know, just getting battered by Archie Moore in a boxing match. Um, and then he would write books about it. He wrote a book called Shadowbox, which was his time where he learned about the human psyche from being a professional boxer for five minutes or when he learned about professional football from um, playing professional football for like the preseason with the team um, and on the one hand I you know I like the buffet metaphor you used of you want to connect with uh, audi for the same audience in different ways and then you also want to be able to connect with different audiences mm -hmm. um, and because you have an important message to share and because you want to help people that's that's one thing I think for mm -hmm. for George he you know um, he was more of a an entertainer perhaps um, though I mean his journalism he was first and foremost a journalist founded this magazine and mm -hmm. wrote about it but for him and, and wrote about all his misadventures but for him part of it was also like a, just a joie de vivre like wringing the juice out of life is just like yeah yeah why why am i not going to go play professional football why am i not going to write he, he, i have this collection of short stories by him called the man in the flying uh the man i think it's the man in the flying wheelchair the man in the flying um something um and it's about this dude the first story in the book is about this guy who attached a ton of balloons to like a chair like a lot of balloons and floated yeah. off into space and it was a big huge thing and George Plimpton thought to go and you know write this story about it and he has a story you know writing about his time with uh, the time he spent at the Playboy Mansion with, with Hugh Hefner mm. and his story about the, the weekend he spent in um, in oh, I forget where it was the, the weekend he spent with, uh, with Hunter Thompson um, and for him it was it was less about, um, I think, it, well, it was equally about reaching a lot of people, but also just life is so rich and colorful and just, you know, why not do it? Why not mm -hmm. do, you know, why not dip your hands in lots of different things? I don't know. Have you felt that at all of just like indulging in different art forms simply for the sake of the, the pure enjoyment um, of experimenting with different aspects of the human experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't do anything that I don't love. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one thing that's such a blessing in my life with all the things that I do is these are all things that I genuinely enjoy. I love. Yeah. I don't just do it out of um, 
I do feel a sense of duty to others, but to me, the sense of duty comes with the sharing actually, because mm. that person you're describing, he could do all of that and then he could choose not to share it. Right. He could just keep it. He could keep it to himself. But yeah. something that really struck me a few years ago is that actually as human beings, I believe it's our duty to share that with other people. If you have some knowledge, if you have some insights, you have some ideas or some expertise in any area which could potentially help motivate or inspire other people, hmm. then I don't just think you, I don't just think it's good to share it. I think it's, it's unethical not to in a way. Yeah. Right? If you've made, if you've made or done all this great stuff, it's like, cool, share that information. That's the, that's the thought process that actually made me write my book, Strong Advice. I mean, mm. I've been going to the gym since I was 15 years old. Yeah. Right? I've learned a lot. I've been through a lot of ups and downs with nutrition and training and wasting time on this and wasting money on that, doing things right, doing things wrong, whatever. Yeah. How many people in this world want to get in better shape? How many people yeah. want to lose some weight, build some muscle, get stronger? Billions right? Billions. Yeah. And yes, there's plenty of content out there about it already, but it's like, look, this is what I've learned. I was like, you know what? It's not just that I should write this book. It's like, I, I have to write this. Yeah. I have to write this because this is going to help people. Yeah. And then I wrote it and I put it out there and lo and behold, it's helped thousands of people around the world to improve their, their nutrition, their diet, their overall health, overall health and well-being, which leads into their happiness. If I make music, I mean, there are, there are people who, who make music and it's great music, and they don't want to share it with anyone. Right? They don't want to share it. They just want to want to keep it mm. keep it in the stash. And it's like, yeah. no, put put your put your work out there to people, even if you don't want to make a, a living from it, or you know, just just put it put it out there. Document your journey. You're learning something. It's like cool. Document your journey. And it's never been easier to share with other people, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just 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 put it out there. This conversation we're having, we could have this conversation in private. Right? Hmm. We could just talk on the phone and just, I, we're the only two people privy to this conversation, but by posting this up online in the format of a podcast, hmm. um, people can take away something from it. People can learn something. It's entertaining. It's informative. Maybe they'll, they'll, uh, find something educational about it. Maybe there'll just be that little thing that I say, or you say, which sparks something in their brain and goes, you know what? Yeah. Let me, uh, let me go write that book. Let me go do that thing. Let me, uh, let me go do this. So one of my biggest messages out there, and I'm not the only one who, who puts this out there, Jordan Peterson is really big on this message about seeking to fulfill your potential. You know, we all have so much potential and I think this is what you are actually alluding to um, with this man that you mentioned. I can't remember his name. What was George, his name? George Plimpton, yeah. George Plimpton, yeah. So he's someone who's like, you know what, I've got, I've got potential, right? I can do this, I can do that. Let's just explore, let's try, let me give it a shot. Let me try yeah. this. Let me try this. Not everything is going to be a huge blockbuster success. And that's fine because as human beings, we're n none of us are just one thing. None of us are just one thing. And um, I think a lot of that mentality maybe comes from, I guess, up until a few decades ago. Certainly when it came to professions and careers, human beings were very much specialists, right? Yeah. Like you, you are, you, Scott, are a blacksmith. Yeah. You are a baker. Your job is you bake bread and you sell bread and that's your thing. And you don't go outside that lane. Right. You're just that one thing. But I think that as the world changes and more opportunities arise and the technology changes, we actually all have the capability to explore a little bit more of what we are capable of and even 
potentially make a living out of it or do it for a hobby or something like that. So you don't need to be totally one dimensional. I think a lot of people expect or want others to be one dimensional because then it's a lot easier to just view them as that thing, right? Yeah. Um, it would be easier for people's brains if it was to like, Zuby's just a rapper. He's just yeah. a rapper. He's just an artist. Like, siloed. It, 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 yeah. yeah, just siloed. It would be a lot easier. People do this with all sorts of labels, by the way, right? Just, uh, you know, this person is that one thing and you can just, whatever your beliefs about that thing are, you can then just apply it to that person. Yeah. So someone could be just like, you know what? Uh, I, I don't like rap. I don't like rap. I don't like hip hop. And this person is a rapper. So therefore, I'm going to cast all of my assumptions and biases. And by yeah. the way, people have done this for me my, my entire career <laughs> and often look very foolish as a result. Because yeah. they, they hear the word rapper and of course their brain goes to a certain place. Mm. And then they just think, okay, well, I know everything. I know everything about this person. Yeah. Right? He's going to believe this and this and this, and he's going to be from this background and he's going to talk like this and have these beliefs and that. And then oftentimes they'll say something extraordinarily um, presumptive or ignorant and put their foot in their mouth. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe individuals and people are more, more nuanced and complicated than I gave them credit for. Yeah. Well, I think when somebody makes such a, a presumptive response, or a presumptive statement, you can give a nice two-word answer. Okay, dude. Okay. <laughs> okay, dude. That's yeah. yeah. Um, that. That. If, if it's not in your Twitter bio, then people don't think it's. Uh, they yeah. Don't think it exists, right? Like I've had people telling, oh, you know, like this person should uh, go to university, or like you know, this. Like when people call me, you know, people will say that you're like, oh, you know, this uneducated. I've had people call me uneducated. Mm. It's like, bro, I've got a computer science degree from Oxford University. <laughs> yeah. Just because, just because it's not in my Twitter bio and I don't talk about it every all day long, doesn't mean that it's not there. But you know, they just see rapper. Pop, they're like, ah, oh, he's just an entertainer. He's just another another stupid rapper. And yeah. You know, I <laughs> this this happened to me the other day. I I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but mm. it was funny. Um, our we have a another Quillette podcast called called the Quillette podcast that Jonathan Kay is my colleague hosts. Um, and our latest episode uh, was about um, this academic who was asking questions about some of the uh, unmarked graves in Canada, the alleged unmarked graves of um, indigenous children at residential schools. Mm. Um, and I, it was a very interesting podcast um, that raised a lot of important questions uh, and I, I sent it around to all my Canadian friends, my sort of like stable of Canadian friends um, including one of my Canadian friends who's indigenous um, and she thought it was really interesting um, and mm -hmm. she thanked me for it uh, then I sent in this, you know, some of the other another Canadian guy said, ah, oh, you know I, I didn't follow this issue that much um, but this this white liberal girl, this not liberal, illiberal. Um, this <laughs> this um, big lefty girl um, who's white uh, sent me this like essay about how I needed oh, to educate myself about yeah. the you know history. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to educate myself about anything. I'm not <laughs> stating anything. I've sent you a podcast. You can listen to it and make your own opinions, including mm -hmm. disagreeing with it and saying you know this is wrong. But she goes. 
Please educate yourself about Canada's problematic history with uh, indigenous people before sending me something like this. Mm -hmm. I go, and it, it was just funny that like the actual indigenous person thought it was interesting, and then the white liberal <laughs> freaked out. It's like, oh my god. Yes. Um, and not that the indigenous person stands in for all indigenous Canadians, and not that this you know white lefty stands in for. Um, all lefties are all white people, but I, I just thought it was an interesting and representative example of 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 some of the the ways that um, mm -hmm. discourse discourse plays out. Another thing I want to point out, pivoting on the gym, I've been thinking about this recently. It's like I only started going to the gym I don't know two years ago in 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 2020. And shocker of all shockers, you feel a lot better. Your energy levels are higher. <laughs> you feel a lot better about yourself. You eat better, you know. And then when it comes time to eat shit, to eat, you know, burgers, fried chicken, whatever, you know, you enjoy it more because you're not eating it every single meal. Um, mm -hmm. And so... I was just thinking to my, and then like, you know, recently I, I sort of slipped, um, last month or two, I was eating a lot of shit. Um, and then I realized, ah, you know, I gained five pounds. I need to lose this time to time to start, you know, kicking up the cardio, um, and, you know, upping my protein intake and eating properly. And, you know, again, shocker of all shockers. I felt better yeah. after I started doing that. I look at some of the discourse today and like a lot of these people, complaining on the internet about xyz a lot of the problems could be solved if they just went to the fucking gym um yes. like this whole yes. this whole you know fat studies thing fat acceptance thing like body positivity thing up to an extent like okay i get it but also like go to the gym and you'll feel better we can't ask the rest of society to change the way they feel. or asking you know saying all my problems are going to be solved if i get you know gender reassignment surgery or all my problems are going to be solved if um, I become really involved in this uh, protest movement. Or if I can just ask everyone else to change how they behave so I can feel better. It's like, mm -hmm. take care of yourself. You know, before you go and try to take care of everybody. You know, people have this whole, I want to save the world. I want to save everybody. Take care of yourself. Make your own bed. You know, like... Take care of your body. Your body is, I mean, it's yours. It's the one thing that's yours for your whole life. Like, yes. stop fucking around with it. You know? Like, <laughs> go to the nah, gym. Dude, so, <laughs> so many interesting points raised there. Uh, I could talk on this one at length. The first part is, uh, is, I was smiling as you said that because when people are new to exercising or eating right, um, oftentimes after, after decades of neglecting it, there's always this like shock and surprise that it works. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's always this like, right? Oh my God, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> people are always sort of taken aback like, oh, this this exercise and nutrition thing like has got me feeling good. It's like- Maybe there's something to it. Yeah, you know, those gym bros were trying to tell you, you know, because yeah. I, I think due to so many um, sort of myths and stereotypes perpetuated, even from our childhood, even in cartoons, there's this, uh, notion of it being this superficial activity right you know just going to the gym it's purely superficial and just about you know looking buff and having big biceps and being able to bench a certain amount or whatever it's like yeah. no it's much much it's much much deeper and far more holistic than that and then coming on to the second point i mean i, th I think scott we live in 
We live in interesting times in a lot of ways, and I've noticed certain threads particularly happening throughout the modern Western world. Number one, we live in the age of denial of personal responsibility. Mm. I think that's one of the biggest problems in modern society is wanting to outsource responsibility and accountability and people, so many people not being willing to just own up to their own responsibilities and accountabilities. But to all of these things, they, they take the seed of something which has like a tiny kernel of truth. Like as far as, I'm, as far as I know, I mean, I think the concept of body positivity actually is supposed to, in its original form, it's supposed to relate to people who are like, who have like visible handicaps or disabilities or people who have like been burn victims or something like that. Like they have yeah. some kind of, they have something immutable yeah. um, about them. Yes. And it's like, look, like, you know, em embrace that. And also people shouldn't be unkind, unpleasant, unfairly discriminatory towards someone who is overweight or has some, wh wh whatever it is, right? There's, there's a big difference between saying, hey, you know what, like, don't be mean, don't bully people based on their appearance and, uh, you know, being, being fat is healthy. Right, yeah. healthy at any size like that there, there's a huge gap there's a giant chasm between those two statements fully on board with the first one right don't be mean to people based on what they look like and you know immutable characteristics or yeah. even mutable ones right you know just just be a decent person but that doesn't mean okay so we should celebrate obesity we should celebrate you know if we were if we had movements that were celebrating smoking or celebrating reckless driving or celebrating mm texting while driving anything else that like can harm and kill people in large numbers you wouldn't you know it, it would be obviously insane and then the final point final point i wanted to make on this is we also live in an era of emotions over reality and i think this is one of the biggest problems we Man. have in the modern western world i think these these few things combined and they're all kind of happening at the same time and they're interconnected but everything has become about feelings. Yeah. Everything's about feelings, not facts and reality, right? Yeah. It's, oh, this person, you know, made me feel, you always hear, you now hear the phrase, oh, this, you know, made me feel unsafe, made me feel this way, made me feel this way. And it's like, look, people's feelings and emotions matter to a degree. As I've said, like, I'm a big fan of being polite and being civil and being a decent person, treating people with respect and kindness. Um, but this doesn't mean that we should deny the truth. This doesn't mean that we contort and twist objective reality or deny objective reality because there's a, a tiny number of people who haven't learned how to handle their emotions who could get triggered, who could get upset. It's impossible to communicate anything important or anything interesting without risking potentially being offensive, right? It's just not, it's not possible to do if we're just left talking about the weather at that point. And I think one of the most important things as you grow as an, as an adult, you grow into an adult is understanding that, you know, you don't always get your way. Sometimes you, sometimes you get your feelings hurt. People will d disagree with you. People have different opinions and different ideas and ideologies and viewpoints and all of that. And this is why you have to be able to learn how to communicate and interact with other human beings in society without being upset and butthurt and triggered all of the time. There are many things in this world that offend me. There are many people with 
ideas I dislike, or there's every day I go on to Twitter or on YouTube, I, I see plenty of people saying things that I may found I may find um, uh, wrong, you know, just just incorrect or wrong. There's some things I may find immoral. There's some things I may find kind of gross. There's things I may find blasphemous or offensive mm. or whatever. And it's like, look, that's all. That's that's just part of living in a free. If you want to live in a free society, which not everyone does, but yeah. that's just that's a part of it. That's part of freedom of speech. Also, you have the choice to not consume and follow things that you don't like or you find highly offensive, right? This goes for music. We were talking before about music and art, right? Music, art, comedy. I don't go out of my way to listen to, to music that I don't like and that I find offensive or egregious, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But I'm also not trying to ban it. Right? Yeah. I will support its right to exist and its right to be out there on these different platforms. But I'm just like, you know what, man, I'm not, I'm not listening to that. Like, that's just, uh, and that's you know, your right. Degree. Yeah. No yeah. You know, it's no too, it's too profane for me. Yeah. It's too, yeah. 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 The message of that. You're right. I, I don't, I don't particularly like watching horror movies, Scott, right? Like I don't yeah. want to watch, sit there and watch, you know, especially <laughs> these like torture, torture porn type things, right? Like I don't want to sit yeah. and watch like, you know, people being decapitated or having limbs. It's like, you know what, as an art form, Sure. Like, I mean, you know, that, that's an art form, right? I'm not saying, okay, go, go ban all these movies and pull them down and, you know, imprison them. I'm just like, look, like, I'm not interested in that. And mm. I think people forget, and maybe this comes down to that personal responsibility part as well, right? People would rather outsource. They want to outsource the censorship. They want to outsource the suppression. They want to say, no, the government, the state, this company, that people, they must... Then it, they right. must get yes. They must get rid of all the YouTubers I don't like. They must ban all the Twitter users I don't like. Yeah. Spotify need to take down these songs and these podcasts and this person and that person because I personally don't like it. It offends me. Yeah. And it's like no. You have the power. You have the choice to say. You know what? I don't like that podcast. I don't mm. like that musician. I don't like that company. I don't like that product. I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to consume it. Um, yeah. And it feels like people used to. I mean, maybe people didn't always know. <laughs> maybe human beings have never, never really quite worked this one out. Um, but I think that, I don't know, I feel like earlier in my lifetime, at least, people sort of understood this concept better. And we're just living in this overcorrection in many ways where things have kind of gone too far mm. in one way, which is why things are starting to are, are becoming more censorious now. And the Internet is actually less free and less liberal in the true sense now than it used to be and you have more and more people calling for deplatforming and calling for censorship and so on. I think it's an overcorrection and I do think that it's going to tilt back in a healthy direction. And I think we need to be careful as a society that we don't overcorrect super hard into the opposite direction once again. I think there's a healthy balance to be had. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the whole concept of freedom of choice um Zuby, you know one one thing i also want to talk to you about is how you've navigated your way through the entertainment industry you make mm. no secret of your libertarian leanings um you know I, on twitter on on joe rogan's podcast and your public speaking engagements um you're not uh there's no, there's nothing closeted about your beliefs. Uh, I, I don't think. Um, so ha have you, has that affected, um, 
your music career a lot of times you know people think of hollywood people think of hollywood as being very left-leaning very progressive very censorious um and the idea as you well know of a black conservative man um in itself is sort of taboo within within the entertainment industry sometimes in in the rap industry kanye took a lot of flack for this um he's not even conservative right it's, or conservative isn't even the right he's not he's he, he was just asking questions um thinking, go, thinking freely yeah thinking freely so yeah. i mean how have you navigated some of this kind of stuff um as far as your music career has gone have you had agents or producers or whoever I, I don't know how it works be like bro like, you can't rap about this um <laughs> or or you're i don't know has this has this played into your music career so i've always been independent like hmm. a lot one thing a lot of people don't realize i think especially now because my profile and following has grown so much is i think a lot of people don't realize or fully appreciate that i am completely independent and always have been well, just All describe not, to people what that mean, like, in terms means of you that, don't have a record deal or like, not just an adjective so, of being an independent person. Like, what, what is being independent as a musician? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I'm an independent, I'm an independent musician. So I run my own record label, COM mm -hmm. Entertainment. That's my own company. Every single one of my albums, EPs, and singles has come out under my own label. I have 100% control of the business creative aspects, all the decision-making, absolutely everything I have 100% control of. I own the rights to all of my music. Mm. I call the shots. I book my own shows. I do everything. I've never had a manager. I've never had an agent. I probably will need a booking agent um, yeah. <laughs> as things continue to grow. But um, I'm outside the industry. I don't consider myself part of the music industry. So I don't okay. even deal with the music industry. I don't mm. deal with labels. I don't deal with execs. I don't deal with managers. Never have, um, not particularly interested in doing so. From very early on, when I started, I thought this is the right path for me to take. I'm gonna take this DIY independent path. It will have so many more challenges and hurdles in certain ways, but it will also avoid other pitfalls. Yep. And I will be able to take credit for my own successes, and I can also uh, take responsibility for my own failures, things that don't go well. If I put out a song or I put out an album or whatever and I don't promote it, it's like, look, that's on me. I can't blame the label and say, oh, well, that person was supposed to do this. It, it all comes down to me. Um, yeah. So in terms of me being able to articulate and express my views and um, ideas, it's something I, I've always done. And another thing I've done, which is um, I mean, to me, it wasn't really a choice. It was something I was always going to do. But especially now that we live in this age, which is you know, 2022 is very different from 2016 when I was starting out. Sorry, 2006 when I was starting out. The world has changed in many ways. Mm. But something I've done, and this is perhaps one of the most powerful things I think I've done, and something that will serve me well my entire life and career, is that I built my brand from day one on authenticity. Yeah. From the very beginning, you can go back and listen to my music from 2006, 2008, 2012. I'm consistent. I've always been myself. I've never pretended to be some super gangster who's dealing drugs or doing this or doing that. My music has no profanity. I have no cussing on any of my albums. Yeah. Um, I've always talked about, I've always been open about the fact that I'm a Christian and mm. I believe in God. 
I've always been open about the things I, you know, promote or criticize my mm. ideas. So if you build off of authenticity, then that, I mean, num number one, it's a lot, it's, it's, uh, you, you can live with yourself and that's a big part. Um, I'm not someone who'd be able to look myself in the mirror if I, if I knew that I was being very hypocritical or incongruent with my public persona and mm. who I truly am. Um, another thing that happens is that a lot of people ask me if I'm worried about getting canceled, right? And the answer is no, I can't be canceled. The reason I can't be canceled isn't simply because I'm independent. It's because you get canceled by your own audience. Mm. Right. So anyone can be deplatformed. Anyone can be taken off a platform. But in terms of actually being canceled, that's when your audience, that's when your people turn on you. Only way I could mm. be canceled is if I become a fraud, if I become inauthentic, if I right. stop speaking the truth, if I stop being who I am. Um, there are so many people out there, there's public figures, celebrities, this ranges from politicians to musicians to actors who they end up, I call it being held hostage by your own audience. Yeah. So because they haven't built off authenticity, they now, if they become authentic now, if they suddenly start to speak the truth and share their ideas or say that, you know, say, say what they really want to, then they've built this audience of, you know, hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people who think and perceive them as something completely different. Mm. And so therefore they're now held hostage. This can happen in individual relationships as well. Every day, for the past few years especially, uh, through Trump and Brexit and BLM and all the COVID stuff, I've heard so many people telling me, man, like, you know, I lost a friend of a decade. I lost a friend, someone I've been friends with from school. I lost this friend, that friend. Why? Because I voted for Trump, because I voted for Brexit, yeah. because they found out I'm a conservative, whatever. I'm like, dude, how can you have a friend for 20 years and, you've ne and they don't even know they don't even know your beliefs and your values. Like, I, to me, that's like mind blowing. It's like, yeah, yeah well, we, we used to just avoid that. And then they found out this and I'm like, dude, like you, you built the whole house on a, on a shaky foundation. Yep. I've never lost a friend over any of, any of this stuff. Mm. I'm a pretty outspoken guy. I'm pretty yeah. prominent out there now. Um, and it's because we, we talk about these things. So like, I know my friends thoughts and ideas and we have discussions and debates and we have these ideas. I mean, it's part of, it's a firm basis of our, of our friendship and our mutual respect and love of each other that we can talk about all these things, whether we agree, we disagree, whatever, we can talk about those things and not believe that the other person is, uh, know that each person is coming from a good idea. Even if we clash on a certain idea or on a certain issue or you know a certain belief, it's not because, oh, that person's just stupid or they're racist or they're this or they're whatever horrible word someone wants to take out there. It's like, no, they just have a different perspective because of, X, Y, Z, this is where we differentiate. We agree on all these things, but I think this and they think that, and that's where we, that's where we diverge. So coming back to the original point as an artist and just as an individual, not because I've thought about it from, not because I thought about it from the beginning very philosophically, but I've always just been a fan and wanted to be authentic and congruent. I said from the beginning, I'm not gonna pretend I'm something I'm not. I'm not going to pretend I have a history that I don't have. I'm not going to promote things that I, I, I don't promote. Um, I mean, and this, this comes with a lot of things. For example, on my podcast, I mean, I've, I've had offers to, um, I don't know, I'll advertise an alcoholic beverage on my podcast. Hmm. I, don't drink, I don't drink alcohol, Scott. 
I yeah. don't drink, so I, I won't. I won't even promote. I, I won't even promote alcohol on my show because it's like, well, that's not even congruent with with who I am. I can't sit there and be like, you know, this is the best whiskey, and da-da. it's like, dude, like everyone knows, Uvi doesn't even drink. Yeah. Right? So it's just it's it's just fake, right? If it's something that is aligned with what I do, then cool. Like if, you know, as long as I like the product, happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I think long term, that's the best way to do it. I think it's harder, and I think a lot of people look for those shortcuts. Like, oh, you know what? I can just jump on this trend or I can jump on that and it'll gain me more popularity or money in the short term. But the more and more you do that and the more and more you compromise yourself over time, you can find yourself actually in a very weak position where on a surface level, you might be successful. You know, you might might have a lot of money or whatever, but you're also now in this cage Mm. where you can't, you're just, you're just trapped. And if you then try to be authentic, you're going to get hammered. 